Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast. Back for another week. My name is Jack Collins. I will be your host today as we walk through some of the biggest transfer stories that are going to happen this summer. And joining me for such an occasion, of course, the main man, it's our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. I'm okay. Uh, bread and butter time for me, isn't it? Like we're reaching that stage of the year where I have to um, show my worth. Yeah, this is it's it. Like, it's like Kevin De Bruyne at this stage of a season, but um, I'm going into into the close season is when I'm uh, money. But yeah, it's um, it's getting exciting. Like this summer is going to be massive. Like, I thought last summer was going to be the biggest transfer window we ever saw, and obviously, like we did see some ridiculous ones. Ronaldo back to United, Messi goes to PSG, Ramos, you know, leaves Real Madrid and goes to PSG too. There was some really massive storylines. This year looks pretty special too, so we're going to go run through uh, five of the biggest to expect um, in the main segment. Okay, all right. We're going to get to that in the main bit, but we're going to mix it up slightly for things we love. I mean, this wouldn't be ranks. I wouldn't be doing you justice, dear listener, if I didn't talk about my thing we love this week. But for Dean's, he's put some questions on Twitter as well to get some uh, quick fire transfer stories. They're going to be Dean's things we love. Um but before that, I, I need to talk to you about the Kings of Spain. Here we yeah. go. Here Real we go. Betis win the Copa del Rey. Joaquin, at 40 years old, lifts the trophy into a balmy Seville sky on Saturday night. It was quite a special occasion. 17 years after Betis lifted their last trophy, which is also the Copa del Rey, um, a squad in which Joaquin was in, they managed to lift it again. And it was a, a remarkably special night. The celebrations in Seville, you might have seen, have been kind of off the scale, to be perfectly honest. I don't think anyone stopped celebrating in green and white for about three days. But this was you know, special for a number of things. Obviously, there's this kind of Joaquin ending swan song story that overrides all of it. The man who had the Copa del Rey trophy in 2005 at his wedding, on the on the altar at his wedding, lifts it again as the kind of final moments of his career. He looks like he's going to retire at the end of this season. But there were plenty of narratives around this as well. And maybe none more so, you know, aside from the fact that, of Joaquin than Juan Miranda, who was in that crowd in 2005 in the Vicente Calderon in Atleti's old stadium, when Betis won this trophy last, he was in the stands as a Betis fan, as a five-year-old. He was the man who scored the winning penalty as well. So plenty of you know, moments, some heartfelt celebrations in here. It was one for Hector Bellerin, who came back to Betis kind of as a present for his dad, who is a lifelong Betis fan. Um, he said he was coming in to win trophies at the start of the season. He wasn't coming for a holiday. He has done so. Um, so one of those where, where it must be an amazing feeling for Hector and for his father um, to see him. A, man, a boy who grew up in Barcelona wearing a Betis shirt probably wasn't the most popular lad <laughs> on the street. Um, but he's managed to go and, and, and win the first trophy for the club in 17 years. It was a really emotional, really heavy night. And, and Betis have suffered, you know, in, in the last sort of 10, 12 years have been 
bouncing around divisions. We've seen relegations. We've seen really tricky things for a massive club. You know, the Villamarine holds 60,000 people. And if I'm not mistaken, Betis have the highest number of members in Spain outside Real Madrid, um, Atletico and Barcelona. This is a, a big club. And, and to restore it to trophy-winning glory, I think, was quite a special moment for everyone involved. Mm. I did actually predict this would go to penalties, didn't I? On our Patreon spotlight show on Friday, I said it would go to pens. I also said Valencia would win. So, Yunus Musa, you owe me. I'm glad. You I'm glad me. you. Uh, I'm glad you were wrong. I'm Dean. glad I was wrong, but um, well done, mate. Very, very big. What well, a big weekend for you, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was, it was, it was Fulham didn't goal. quite manage to to clinch a championship title, but at least didn't lose. Yes. Um, so happy days. It's been it's been a good weekend. I think everybody's a happy bunny and in Vedabalanco right now. And um, I've actually written an article on this, which is rare. We don't do this very often, but no. um, our new website, there is an article about why it meant so much to Betis to lift New website? Rank. What's that, Jack? Yeah, new website for Ranks FC. Very exciting times are in the Where process can I find of that? launch. So if you go to ranks.football um, on the internet, you can, you can find some of our writings, all the podcasts. Sam's done a little bit as well. So yeah, it's... It's all very exciting. We're going to be we're going to be putting a lot more out there over the summer. Um, but it's starting. This is a soft launch. Consider yourselves invited to the trial period if yeah. you're listening to this. Um, okay, I'll put well. a link into the description at the bottom. And with that, let's go to <laughs> your things we love, Dean. And I've got a list of questions here that I'm just going to throw at you. And this is yep. going to be your quick fire things we love. And we're going to start with Santi, who says, "What role could possible Arsenal outgoing players Pablo Mari, Hector Bellerin, Lucas Toledo, Genduzi, Mavropanos possibly?" El Nenny, Lacazette and Ketia have on their window and how do they ex- intend to expand such a slim squad? Well, it's not just those guys. You know, you've got to consider Nicolas Pepe. Like, that would be pretty significant if they decided to cash in on Pepe and actually get some half-decent money for him. What about Bernd Leno? What's, what's happening with him? You know, um, Arsenal have a lot to consider. One thing for sure is they need a much deeper squad for next season. Um, that's what European football is going to bring. This season, not having European football... Has kind of been something that they've um, had to appreciate and opened the door for them to have a strong push to get back in those European positions and find and create that vision that Arteta had for this team. And I think to a large degree, they have done that. We've been able to see the identity of this team come through. Now we need to find those final pieces. The core of the team is there. They need some big pieces around it now. I think we're looking at six signings in the summer. I think that's the way that this Arsenal uh, future is going to shape out. Um, Not easy to sign six players. And I'm not just talking six players for the squad here. I'm talking of six players that are going to go into that first team or be knocking on the door of the starting 11. Um, It's key that Arsenal do that if they're going to not only contend with those guys that are in the top four right now, but also to keep fighting off Man United and Tottenham and West Ham and potentially Wolves next season. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot going on, isn't there, at Arsenal? And a, a lot of work to be done, but it does feel like things are moving in the right direction. And it feels like, you know, over the last summer, at the very least, Arteta seemed to get the players that, not necessarily he wanted all of them, but it feels like there are players that fit into his vision of, of what this Arsenal side is. And I suppose that's going to be massive as well in terms of moving forward. They have to fit into what Arteta wants his side to be. I mean, we've got one more um, about Arsenal, SG Football asking, is Ossiemen or Abraham for Arsenal? Well, which one is more likely? Are either of them likely would be my question. Of course, an Arsenal fan, you'd certainly like to hope so, wouldn't you? I mean, they certainly need a nine. And Ketty is doing a good job now of trying to fight for his future at Arsenal. No doubt about that. Lacazette, 
you know, will he want you sign that new contract? Will he want you stay for another year? We'll have to wait and see. He certainly had probably the best year I've seen of him at Arsenal in terms of contributing to this team. But I would say don't forget, there's a couple of other players here. Lataro Martinez going to consider his future in the summer again. Um, Arsenal and Tottenham were knocking on the door uh, earlier on in the year. Let's see whether Arsenal decide to go back down that route again. Lataro Martinez would be an unbelievable addition for Arsenal if they could get him. If not, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Everton and real state of flux at the moment. Are they going down? Are they not? Whatever happens, Calvert-Lewin might be on the market, a player that they have pursued for some time. Just watching his situation unfold, I think, again, would be a lovely addition to that Arsenal um, front line and the dynamic, I think, that he would strike with those creative players around him. I I kind of... If I was to choose, I'd actually want Calvert-Lewin in there. I kind of think that he's still got so much more to offer. This season's been a real frustrating one for him. Um, I think there's a breakthrough still to come on the big stage. Um, Aussie men and Tammy. I mean, Tammy is in Roma. He is a star boy at Roma. He's gone in there. He's like, he's thrown all the pressure back at everybody. He's like, this is not pressure. Like what I had at Chelsea was actually pressure, living up to being a number nine that could never actually exist, we're discovering. Um, No matter what he did at Chelsea, it wasn't good enough. He's gone out um, of his comfort zone. He's found a new home under Jose Mourinho. He's been brilliant in Serie A. I do not see Tammy Abraham leaving Roma at this stage, particularly for a team that um, Chelsea fans would not be particularly pleased to see him rock up at. And Aussie men, I mean, as good as he is, that's a lot of money, isn't it? We're talking 70 million. Well, with 70 million to get him to Napoli, you'd imagine he's going to be more than that now. Extraordinary. I mean, a great player, no doubt about it. Okay, a frustrating end to the season for him by the looks of it, the way that Napoli are throwing away um, their chance at an Italian title. But... um, Aussie men, I just think, is going to be out of, of Arsenal's price bracket. Tammy's probably not going to be too far off that price range right now, the way he's been scoring I goals. So, agree, yeah. yeah, I think it, we'll, we'll discover at the end of the season. It's all going to depend really on where, where Arsenal end up in, in that ranking at the top of the Premier League. Yeah, OK. All right, it'll be an interesting one. That nine position is going to be filled one way or another. And obviously, there are these Gabby Jesus rumours, it looked like. He was oh, yeah, of course, necessarily yeah. on the verge, but definitely in the conversation he's as well. in the, He is in the conversation, yeah. That is worth pointing out for sure. Like, he's somebody that's being considered. Um, Edu certainly has him on the radar. So we'll have to wait and see, though, as that pans out, because Gabby Jesus just scored four for Man City at the weekend. Yeah, well, I mean, it depends who goes in at City. I imagine, I imagine we'll get onto that in the main section as well. <laughs> um, let's go to Johnny Hannaford, who is a Newcastle fan he says now that we're safe what rumours can I ignore and who are Newcastle genuinely looking at will we go back in for Botman and Lingard will the owners go for one big marquee signing honestly like when most clubs have the number of rumours around them that Newcastle have I'm like you can probably write off most of them and you're probably not going to spend this amount of money with Newcastle there's very little that I'm willing to write off because They've got a clear strategy to get into the big time quickly and the way that they um, thought out and then carried out the January transfer business was brilliant. Newcastle have gone from being relegated from the Premier League. They're now in the top half of the Premier League. It's been remarkable um, the way that Eddie Howe has brought this team together in the past few months. And I think you've all seen the the sights at St. James's Park recently, like that crowd are buzzing. What Bruno Gimenez has given them is uplifting and he's just the start of things to come. So um, Botman, you probably can forget him because he's close to joining AC Milan. So that one's probably not going to happen. Jesse Lingard, 
absolutely still dream about Jesse Lingard if you love him because they will still go for a Jesse Lingard. Um, they would also really like Calvin Phillips if they, they managed to get him out of Leeds. Let's see what happens with his contract situation and the way things pan out there. But Calvin Phillips is, is on the agenda at Newcastle. Eki Teke, like this is a striker that Newcastle see as one of the the best forwards of the next few years emerging out of Europe. So while um, he's not probably a household name in Europe right now, he is a player that a lot of scouts are recommending to teams. And look, Bruno Gimenez wasn't a player that widely known by Newcastle fans. I know he was pretty established to himself, but like coming into the Premier League, he was pretty much unknown. Um, Ekiteke won't, that name won't put fans off. Like they can still be excited about that. Matt Target, he'll probably sign permanently. I think that, uh, from what I'm told, they'll probably take up an option to sign him for about 15 million. Oh, the that's one interesting thing because it didn't seem like he was for a little. No, while. they, they like Aaron Hickey rumor going around. Yeah, they they've been very cautious over it, and they they weren't sure that it was the right fit. But Eddie Howe, from what I'm told, has been really happy with what he's seen, um, and they actually see it as as a good piece of business to get in at this stage. They like the way that that backline's been coming together with Dan Burn and stuff um, doing well too and Kieran Trippier the one thing to look out for Newcastle is that I think they're going to be scrutinised they think they're going to be scrutinised tougher than most other clubs have been when put in this position think Chelsea think Man City big money coming in FFP eyes are on them don't be surprised if some of their business is initially loan stuff just to help them get through this first couple of years because they've got to manage the situation carefully and they don't want to get caught out. So that is one thing to consider if you think, oh, hang on, we're not actually fulfilling um, the spending that I thought we would. They might just tread a little careful in the summer window, but they're still going to try and do some, um, make some waves with some big signings. Okay. All right. Let's go to Jacob Cohen who says, can we expect any big transfers of any American players this summer? hundred percent. I mean, you know, it's an exciting time to be following USMNT and obviously a World Cup at the end of the year to look forward to when they all think they're going to be England. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. This, this set of players are very talented and they've got a big crop to choose from. Just to go through a few, I mean... Well, there was that Pepe deal, wasn't there, to Augsburg at the start of the year? That was a really significant one. Fortunately for him, the deal hasn't the move hasn't gone too well so far. But he was supposed to be like the answer to USMNT's prayers for a, a number nine. They still haven't really got a number nine, so let's see if that can come through soon. In terms of transfers, I think will happen. Weston McKennie's looking likely. Uh, Weston McKennie likely to leave Juventus um, as they start to go some sort of overhaul. Um, looking like Barcelona, but also being linked to various other places, including Tottenham right now too. So um, we'll see what pans out for him, but that will be a significant one. Brendan Aronson into the Premier League. Big sign in this for Jesse Marsh if he managed to get it. I think that Brendan Aronson could kind of give us an idea of the identity of this Leeds team to come. Would be a fantastic signing if it happens. I'm also told that Leeds have an eye on Sir Gino Dest. Sadly, Dest is ruled out for the rest of the season now. He's picked up an injury. Um, His situation at Barcelona, not completely clear. He really doesn't want to leave Barcelona from everything I've been told. Uh, It was a dream move for him when he arrived there. Um, But ultimately it's going to be tricky. Like this, this Barcelona team is is going through a bit of upheaval too. And, and Xavi has certain ideas about where he wants the team to head. Dest might be surplus to requirements. We'll have to see over the summer. And then just as a maybe, Christian Pulisic, maybe. There have been some rumours about Pulisic over the past few months. 
he definitely doesn't want to leave Chelsea. And whenever you write him off or doubt him, he usually proves you wrong and shows that actually he's one of the best players you got. So I'm not convinced that Pulisic will leave Chelsea, but someone might make a cheeky offer to get him. Yeah, I think it's probably be interesting what happens at Chelsea this summer, obviously, with, with all the kind of bits and bobs going there in terms of ownership as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one. Right, Vincent says, how many centre-backs do you think Chelsea will sign? And if they do sign more than one centre-back, how will that impact possible targets in other positions, incredibly, you know, including a defensive midfielder? Yeah, well, this will be one of our talking points in the main uh, part of this episode. So I'll talk about it again later. But I think they'll sign two centre-backs. I think they've got to. Um, they're losing Christensen. They're losing Rudiger. They might yet lose Aspilicueta. We've got to see how that situation pans out. Um, they haven't put themselves in a great position here, Chelsea, by leaving these situations open to this point and then obviously getting hit by sanctions, which means they can't sign new contracts or new transfers. So, um, yeah, really tough time for Chelsea. Um, and it will probably affect a little bit how they shape up further ahead of them. I would say too, though, you know, obviously Jules Conde is the one that everybody will look at as a as a sign-in and certainly it's a, it's a player that they've made a lot of headway with and they know what's got to be done to get him through the door. Levi Colwell is also one, I think, though, that will come into the thinking for Chelsea, certainly in pre-season, just to see whether he's up to it. We've seen breakthroughs this season for Chalabar and Saar. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me just to see another young face come into the setup if it helps them out short term. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be a big summer, a big summer. Um, let's go to Liverpool where Aris says, will Liverpool move for another forward like Nkunku if they don't lose an attacker, Origi excluded? Um, well, be, be interesting to see. Obviously, I think Origi is, is pretty much done and dusted as, as going elsewhere. We'll leave Liverpool as a legend, I think, in, in his own right. I'd another deal if I was him. It's great. Great <laughs> fun. Great um, fun what he's been able to do. It does look like he's, he wants to go and play some football, which is fair enough. Um, do they need to get rid of another if they're going to move for another forward? I don't see who leaves now. Like I thought Minamino. Maybe Minamino, but then you've got to consider they're signing Fabio Carvalho. So where's Fabio Carvalho going to fit into this Liverpool lineup? Does he fit into this Liverpool lineup? I mean, you know, me and you have watched him all season at, at Fulham. He's a brilliant player. The current position he plays at Fulham doesn't exist at Liverpool. So he's going to have to find himself um, queuing up to play one of those wide roles, you would imagine, unless somehow Jurgen Klopp imagines that he can play a deeper role. Or a like false he has nine. done with Or a false nine. I mean, Harvey Elliott's obviously changed his game since moving to Liverpool a little bit. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, what do you see happening for Nkunku? You've probably seen more of him than I do. Um, I, I have a funny feeling that PSG go back in for Nkunku if uh, Mbappe goes to Real Madrid as we as we expect. So mm. if that happens, I think that PSG might just slightly start thinking about the fact that maybe they've made some mistakes in letting players go. Uh, obviously, we've seen an explosion in Nkunku's productivity this season. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that the PSG might look to bring him home in order to kind of, one, assuage that gap that Mbappe might well leave. But two, kind of, obviously, we've seen the protests from PSG fans about, you know, wanting the club to represent them a little bit more and having a kind of homegrown player come back in to, to be that star, I think could be something that brings the fans a little bit closer to this team. So that that's where I'm, I'm intrigued by. But, I mean, he's so good. He'd fit in anywhere at this point. So it's going to be really interesting. If he comes to the Premier League, it's going to be, uh, well, intriguing. Um, but I do think that PSG might well be quiet front runners in this one. Yeah, I think that's probably fair enough. Um, OK, let's go to Real Madrid. Um, talking of, uh, Jadeep says, where the Hazard, Bale and Jovic land? Surely it's got to be a better place for Jovic to shine. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? These three guys at Real Madrid and uh, none of them 
barely featuring at all this season. Absolutely bizarre when you consider those names. Um, let's start with Bale. I mean, he's got a World Cup now to consider at the end of the year. So he's got a few things to consider. The first is an emotional return somewhere. So whether that be Tottenham potentially again, whether that be that he goes to help Cardiff, maybe thinks, right, I'll just get myself some football, a few months ahead into the World Cup, got to keep my keep myself sharp, go and help Cardiff for a bit. I'm not convinced that will happen. Bob down to Southampton. Yeah, maybe Southampton. I just feel like at this point in Gareth Bale's career, it's obvious from how he plays for Wales that it's like emotion and sentiment that spurs him on, not money. Because he's getting the money at Real Madrid and he's not getting any love. So that clearly doesn't work as a motivator for him. So Gareth Bale needs love and needs to have an actual, like a tangible goal almost. And like that that goal being like to, to be a star at the World Cup, I'm not sure they could win it, but um, ultimately Bale does take things into his own hands whenever he plays for Wales. So yeah, Cardiff, Spurs, Southampton from an emotional point of view. If not, if he does fancy some money, fancies a new project, maybe Newcastle. Maybe something like that could entice him for another season to carry on playing. Um, Again, I'm not convinced that it's the right answer, but it's either that or he just moves to Doha, plays golf for four or five months and keeps going to the gym and thinks this will be good enough. Don't worry, I can walk out there and play a few games for Wales and still be the best player on the pitch. No worries at all. Look, Gareth Bale has considered retiring. Like You can't completely write off the idea that he goes to the World Cup as a free agent, but it'd be a big gamble. And I'm sure Wales might prefer that he at least plays some football somewhere, even if it does then run the risk of he picks up an injury. I don't know which is better or worse, actually. Yeah, no, I, I'm intrigued by it in, in many ways. Um, Eden Hazard, Luka Jovic. I mean, Luka Jovic, he's linked with Arsenal quite regularly. Like, maybe a good fit. I mean, he's, he's got to get out of Real Madrid. We all know that. Inter Milan, he's been talked about as a potential there. If Lautaro was to leave Inter, they're going to have to replace him. There's a chance Lukaku does go back to Inter. Um, But ultimately, Luka Jovic would seem a pretty good fit for a club like that. Or it might just be that Luka Jovic waits this out for a little bit and watches the domino effect of the summer, sees what the effect is of... Mbappe moving on, Haaland moving on, whatever it is. And there will be a space that opens up at one of these Champions League clubs. And Luka Jovic, you'd like to think, would be able to find a home in there somewhere. As for Eden Hazard, I mean, his injury record and his style of play now, I don't know where he fits. I really don't. I mean, again, there's always the talk about him just going somewhere next where he feels comfortable. I mean, can't go back to Chelsea as it stands. Um, So we don't know whether they would even be willing to do that. He's nothing like the player that Chelsea sold, though. He's much less mobile now. He's not that he can't the get injury, between the players like he did. Is, the record is, is actually just quite bleak at this point, isn't He's it? injured like, again right now. He's injured again. Like it's, I, it's, it's, almost, it's almost incomprehensible how many games he's missed through injury since joining Real Madrid. Um, it is. And ultimately, that's just the, the player that he is now. And unfortunately, maybe there is somewhere where he can go and, and, and kind of return to that form and happiness. But He's 31. He's 31. Yeah. And the style of football that he was playing when he, he left Chelsea for Real Madrid, you can't get back to that. Again, so though, he'll, want to, play, he'll want to play at the World Cup. So there's, there's, loads, there's loads to think about in, in, in that one yeah. as well. So Maybe yeah. like Frank Lampard takes him to somewhere wherever he is like if, yeah. if Everton stay up and Frank Lampard can convince him to go and play for Everton 
Maybe it's something like that that can happen for him. Maybe he bobs back know. to maybe bobs back to Lille. Let's see. Let's Lille, see. Maybe. Um, right. Uh, also, where in that list you usually put Isco? Um, apparently, in late talks or advanced talks with Real Betis uh, really? to link back up with Manuel Pellegrini, who obviously was his manager at Malaga. Just want to see Isco playing football and being happy. Get he him in green it. and white. Get him in green and white. It'd be fine. Uh, right. Last one. Cody Torres says Fulham or any team moving up to the Premier League. Is it better to buy more quantity or quality i'm gonna leave this one to you mate you tell me um well i think you probably need a bit of both i actually don't think the answer is necessarily either i think it's getting your business done early Mm. um i think that's the most important thing having a squad that has time to settle in have a full pre-season all of these things i think is more important than than whether you bring in loads of players obviously you want quality when you're moving up you have to bring in it but you have to also bring in the amount of players that you think are necessary to give you a squad that can compete in the Premier League right um mm. and ultimately looking you know from a Fulham perspective I think Fulham need seven eight signings um, which is ridiculous um but ultimately you have to you know kind of remember that three Fulham centre-halves are out of contract this season Fabio Carvalho is leaving he needs replacing and then there are holes in the squad um, and ultimately, that means that you need a lot of players. I think what the, the difference is that that can't be done on deadline day. It has to be done early doors so yeah. that the manager can get a feel of what this squad is. And then also, there's not that feel of people coming in late and displacing the team from last year. If you come in the first day of preseason and everyone gets the same chance to show what they can do, I think you avoid that kind of split in a camp of new people and old people. And I think that that might be kind of the important point yeah. in, in that regard. Absolutely, yeah. And just to sum it up, I mean, people keep saying to me, you know, Fulham, oh, you're a yo-yo club. Great, enjoy your year in the Premier League. It's like, that's true. We have been for the last two promotions. We've come straight back down. But both times it was via the playoffs. And the second time particularly, there was barely any time to transition that squad from a good but not great championship team to one that could hold its own in the Premier League. It was never going to happen. This time around, Fulham have, have got promotion sewn up early they can now begin their transfer business for next season they have a much better chance if Fulham go down again then it probably is a bit of mismanagement but for the past two I do give them a little bit of leeway yeah absolutely right there's more transfer stories to come after the break we're going to be talking the biggest five deals to happen this summer don't go anywhere Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our main ranking. It's time for a Dean Jones transfer main ranking. The first, really, of the summer window of 2022. I'm very excited about this. So, Dean, over to you, mate. Yeah, I'm just going to get straight into this. We're going to rank the five, I guess, most significant transfers, really, of of the summer that we should expect. And at number five, I've gone with Antonio Rudiger. I think that him leaving Chelsea absolutely rocks the foundations that Thomas Tuchel has been building this team upon. Now, it's only just been reported that he's actually going to leave Chelsea, but look, Chelsea have been aware of this for months now. They knew yeah, that as, negotiation... As are those of you who listen to ranks on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I have got bored of telling people that this, that, that Rudiger was extremely unlikely to, to agree terms with Chelsea. There were deep-lying issues between Rudiger's representatives and members of Chelsea's negotiating team. Um, obviously, Rudiger running out of contract was was getting offers, big offers in terms of a signing on fee, in terms of wages. He also is at a stage of his career at 29 when he can consider like, how does he want his career to end? Would he like a new challenge? And he's had 
big proposals, particularly from Real Madrid and PSG. Juve interested too. Uh, Man United made um, made an approach too to sign him. Wasn't interested in that. But looks like as we stand right now recording this, that Antonio Rudiger is going to join Real Madrid for next season. I think that's an unbelievable signing. I think that it transforms uh, Real Madrid's backline for next season. It gives them something really different. You've seen Rudiger over the past year just emerge as the leader of that Chelsea team, um, not only as a battler, not only in terms of being emotional, but in terms of actually having some composure and carrying the ball out of defence and setting this team on their way up the other end of the field. Antonio Rudiger also, um, I would say, one of the best available centre-backs you could have got in this transfer market. That's why he had a high signing on fee. That's why he has a high salary. It's because he knows that he is a big asset to anybody that gets him right now. And Real Madrid are going to definitely benefit by signing him. Yeah, I mean, the quality that he brings to the table is, you know, undoubted. There's also that aggression and, and, and Real Madrid are looking to to battle on on more fronts. I think they're going to have to deal with a, a resurgent Barcelona. Obviously, the last few weeks haven't been ideal from a Barcelona perspective, um, but it feels like Xavi is building something there. You look at you know up to especially and in, in especially including El Clasico. That point, Barcelona have been the form team over the three months since four months since Christmas, um, and ultimately they're, they're going to make big signings in the summer as well. And I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss them at some point here as well. Um, but it feels like Real Madrid are in a good place and need to keep strengthening. And we're going to see a big summer in Spain as the two of them, I suppose, also try and catch up to what has become a domination or a monopoly in some ways from Manchester City and Liverpool. Now, that might sound ridiculous because Real Madrid, we're recording this on Tuesday and Real Madrid might have gone to Man City and battered them on, on Tuesday night. But I think what you're seeing is generally most people accepting that the two best teams in the world right now are Manchester City and Liverpool. And the two Clasico sides will want to catch up and they will want to restore their place at the top of that pecking order. And to do so, yes, they need some smart business, especially Barcelona, considering the way that they've been run. But also they need to attract some of the world's best. And I think in terms of positioning, Rudiger is one. Yeah, and they obviously got that wake-up call too when Barcelona battered them 4-0. Like that was like, okay, we can't carry on like this. We might win the league this year. But Barcelona are going to be back on it next season and we've got to strengthen. So we'll get back to Real Madrid later on. Uh, let's go into number four and talk about Romelu Lukaku because there's big, big conversations to be had here at the end of the season at Chelsea. Um, Lukaku joined Chelsea. was supposed to be the final piece of the jigsaw at Stamford Bridge that would help them take that step to compete with Man City and Liverpool for the Premier League title. And it just hasn't happened. Um, Lukaku started pretty strong. I liked the way he started the season. I was pretty confident that he would make up for um, some disappointing years previously at Chelsea uh, when he was carted off on loan for most of his time in England and then had to go abroad to, to prove himself again. And he was so good for Inter Milan last year. Coming back to Chelsea, I thought we were going to see more of the same. And it's just fallen flat, not helped, obviously, by his interview back in December. Um, that was really a time he had to step it up again. He didn't. And this Chelsea team is basically built around Kai Havertz as a nine now, not as Romano Lukaku as a nine. He comes on as a sub. Um, not really seeing much future for him here. I mean, I guess Chelsea's situation right now makes this difficult to predict because... As we know, we still haven't got any um, assurance over exactly who the preferred bidder is. That That's probably going to come soon. 
But then even when that's made um, clear to us, we have to wait for the whole takeover process to go through. That could take a little while. So it's it's not like immediate that Chelsea can start defining their transfer strategy and their policy on which players are going to be allowed to leave the club. However, it is likely that once all this is cleared up, Lukaku is made available. The question is, how much are they going to let him leave for? And what's he thinking? I'm told he would probably go, even though he's bitterly disappointed at how this spell at Chelsea has turned out. PSG have already uh, made an approach to understand like what he'd be looking for. Would he be interested in, in filling the void that might be left by Kylian Mbappe. Um, two, though, Inter, Madrid, Inter Milan, sorry, we, we obviously um, all heard the interview. We heard him talk about how he'd love to go back. We heard him basically apologise to those supporters for the way he left. They were very bitter about it. But what if he could go back? Like, I spoke to somebody recently and I said, do you think there's any chance? He said, I definitely do think there's a chance, yeah. So that would be interesting if Lukaku was to go and... Well, go back on his decision and go back the other way again to Inter Milan. Whatever happens, I think it's likely that Romelu Lukaku does leave Chelsea by the start of next season. Mm, yeah, I mean, it just just feels like one that didn't work, sadly, um, and just doesn't yeah, it's seem like to fit. It's like Pogba, isn't it? It's like well, it some just things just don't work. F- it's not even necessarily the club. I just think that Romelu Lukaku and the style of football in which he plays is just very not Thomas Tuchel. Um, who likes to keep the ball, who looks to control games, who likes to circulate in midfield. Lukaku likes quick ball into feet, up ahead that he can run into, that he can get on the back of defenders, that he can you know, use that pace that he has. Um, and, and it just doesn't seem to have uh, fitted in at all. And from there, it's just kind of spiralled into a downward or a spin, really, isn't it? And, and ultimately, it just seems to have got worse and worse until the whole thing feels completely untenable. Yeah. Um, so perhaps that's the, the it's for the best for everyone that he lives. It was a shame, really, because there was a real narrative in that Kim coming back as a conquering hero. Um, but unfortunately, just one wasn't to be. Um, who's yeah. next to me? Okay, so at number three, a really interesting one here that's going to open up as a storyline, and it's Declan Rice. I mean, this guy has been unbelievable I actually am going to make my vote today for footballer of the year so um, if you're in the football writers association you get to vote in in the FWA awards to see who who wins the the footballer of the year award and um, I think tomorrow is the deadline but I'm going to vote today and honestly there is a big part of me that has been considering this guy because of the impact he's had on the team and how he constantly lifts his levels you look back over his emergence at West Ham to breaking through to the England team, to being a pivotal part of that team throughout the Euros. Coming into this season, there was speculation about whether he was going to join Chelsea. He came back into the West Ham team. He's been man of the match almost every single week. He's he's pushed them through to the latter stages of the Europa League. They're still up the top end of the Premier League. Declan Rice has been a phenomenal footballer for the past couple of years. And as a result of that, he's now valued at £150 million by West Ham United. Now, obviously, that's because they want to price him out of a move. They've been trying to convince him to sign a new contract. He's not signing a new contract. Like the last proposal, close to £200,000 a week. Um, It's not interested in that. And the big danger of for Declan Rice of signing a new contract is that he ends up in a Harry Kane type situation where he's suddenly stuck. And we've seen it happen a few times with, with players in recent years, whereby they, they take money on a new deal and then the clubs that are interested in them can't buy them out and they end up staying at a club. They don't necessarily still want to be out for the sake of their careers. I think that Declan Rice 
has convinced himself totally now that he is good enough to play at almost any other club in the world. I think that, I think personally that although West Ham do want him to stay for another 12 months and think it's realistic that he will, I think they would sell him. But I do think that that offer has to be in advance of £100 million, which is still an awful lot of money for Declan Rice. Um, The main clubs interested here, still Chelsea, obviously, also Manchester United. Man City in the background, obviously, they are looking Monitoring. Yeah, monitoring is probably the right word. I mean... They've been admirers of him for a while. Um, he's not a priority, I wouldn't say. We know who their priority is. We'll get onto that in a bit. Fernandinho but is leaving, though. There is going to be it. a gap. There is a gap. There is a gap. And you can't afford to lose to drop in level. So say you were to promote someone from um, the unders, you're still not filling that gap of quality. And that's the problem. That's why it's so difficult for young players to break through at clubs like this because... Teams can't take that gamble and there's always that urge to just sign someone, especially if you know that your rivals might be signing them. So let's see what decision Declan Rice makes. Personally, I think he would choose Chelsea. I've been told by a few people pretty close to him that he would still choose Chelsea despite the fact they did release him um, at the age of about 14. I've actually spoken before to to the guy at Chelsea who had to make that decision. He says, like, look, at that point, didn't seem like as big a decision as it looks now. Like it was tough. Like Deck was a big part of what had been going on in those teams, but it's not like he was snapped up the next day by like one of these massive clubs. Like he, it's taken a while for him to really find his groove. And so um, I don't think there's any blame on that. I don't think Declan Rice resents any of that decision-making process. And I think he'd love to go back to Chelsea. But ultimately, Man United are desperate for a midfielder. They're desperate for a leader on the pitch. I could see why they would be tempted into spending that sort of money if they had it. I'm not convinced they can spend that much of their budget on one player, seeing as they've got like eight other problems in that team right now. But Declan Rice would be a big fix for what's been going wrong at Man United. They have been crying out for a midfielder for you know almost the the whole of time at this point. Yeah. It feels like so so perhaps perhaps, but obviously a new manager going in there as well. Things are not ever going to be that simple either. No, and that's uh, the thing. And he might contemplate signing somebody like Ibrahim Sangare instead, who's been at PSV. He's been in brilliant form. Um, Ten Hag would have seen him up close. He'll know all about him. There might be that United look to make some smarter signings like that rather than the obvious ones like Declan Rice. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of those, isn't there? Edson Alvarez has been linked in, uh, of late as well, obviously from Ajax, and there's going to be links to pretty much every Ajax player imaginable at Manchester United. You'd imagine Yuri and Timber been linked as well over the last couple of days. So we'll have to see how those ones play out. But let's move into the next one for now. Yeah, number two, a transfer that is going to happen is that Erling Haaland leaves Borussia Dortmund, a 21-year-old monster, this guy. He is an absolute machine when it comes to goals. Um, Manchester City in pole position to sign him. Still, maybe, maybe a twist if Bayern Munich do come in and convince him to join. I, I don't know if I can see it happening, but I keep getting told, like, but don't write off Bayern Munich. Don't write off, never write off Bayern Munich. Like, anyone that's leaving the Bundesliga has one last hurdle to consider. And that's like, hang on, but would you like to join Bayern? He's like, oh, uh, I don't think so. What you've got enough? What, what do you, how do you see this panning out? I like, don't think so. It's such a great, like, <laughs> oh, mate, mm, nah, no, no. What's he had in mind? Been. Like, Erling Haaland's never had in mind to join Bayern, but they've just won the league 10 years in a row. Like, they've, 
got a very good team that can always has that promise of at least getting to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, maybe venturing beyond that. I personally don't think he's going to take that step, but he might. Let's presume he goes to Manchester City. The number nine that we've been waiting for was going to be Harry Kane. It's not, it's Erling Haaland. Look, I think that the pot, there's a lot of positives here and there's a lot of reasons that Haaland would be interested in this move and is interested in this move. Obviously, his dad used to play for Manchester City. Um, he grew up a City fan, didn't he? Grew up a City fan. Narrative FC likes that. <laughs> Pep Guardiola is the coach. They are on course to potentially win the Premier League, to potentially win the Champions League. They're going to be in that conversation again, guaranteed next season. They strengthen every single year. The The players around him would give him so many opportunities for goals. There's undoubted possibility that he would get 30 goals in his first season in the Premier League. If he did join, everybody that plays Fantasy Premier League would have him in their lineup for that first week because he is just immense. Anybody that hasn't watched Erling Haaland on a week-to-week basis but has watched him go viral on the occasions that he has will be left in no doubt as to how hard he can kick a football. This guy is absolutely ridiculous. Like the power in his legs, unbelievable. The only, only drawback with him is his injury record. For a guy that's 21, he misses a lot of football. And I've seen recently like Dortmund fans obviously having to take this on the chin now, the fact that he's leaving and not been able to call them back and win the Bundesliga while he's been there. They're like, oh yeah, good luck with him. He's always injured, blah, blah, blah. I've read quite a few comments like that. And I'm like, obviously they're being a bit salty and I understand that. But they've also got a point. He has missed quite a few games for someone who's very young. I've got a... Big old theory, which is basically stolen from our friend Jasmine Baba, um, who basically is convinced that Marco Rosa's teams are set up to give people muscle injuries. He says she doesn't know what's happening there, but the amount of injuries that have occurred first, obviously, at Borussia Mönchengladbach and now at Borussia Dortmund are just off the chain, off the scale in terms of how injuries pile up when Marco Rosa. Now, I don't know what he's doing with them in training. I don't know what he's asking of them in terms of working and uh, and kind of big sessions, but the injuries just seem to pile up wherever he goes. And I wonder mm. if that's got something to do with Haaland. Now, obviously, that's actually a worry in, in itself because if a player starts getting injuries very young, the chances are that they're going to suffer with them throughout their career. Um, but I do wonder if that's just something to do with Dortmund because the injury list this season has been... Well, nothing short of ridiculous to be perfectly Yeah, I mean, that is, that, is a, that is a fair point. I mean, you had a few before Rosa got there, but yeah, I, I take your point on board there. And look, Pep and City are very cautious about the minutes that go into these players' legs. You see them, they, they try to find the optimum uh, level whereby players have enough minutes in their legs to keep them sharp and ready for the next game. Like, I didn't expect Kevin De Bruyne to play against Watford at the weekend. I thought he'd be rested for the Champions League match, but... I also hear people at City always talking about, yeah, but if he hasn't had enough minutes over a certain amount of time, Pep will play him because he wants to make sure that he's at his very best for the toughest games. And maybe that's what was at play there. So Haaland would become part of that machine. Look, I'd welcome him into the Premier League. It'd be an absolutely brilliant addition. And it's very exciting to think that that might be on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, look, Real Madrid were in this conversation at one point and it just feels like they've kind of ducked out of it. I mean, is that going to feed into our number one spot here or is 
is that? I think it does a little bit. Um, is is that just them thinking maybe we can't splash on everybody? Considering they've already, so we've already talked about them looking at Rudiger, and there seems to be links there for Chouameni as well now. So it, there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on for sure, but I think we also have to consider the fact that there's a guy called Kylian Mbappe joining uh, Real Madrid from PSG. I mean, this hasn't been um, cemented just yet, but we're led to believe that Mbappe will make his announcement on his future on May the 21st. And everything is pointing towards the fact that he is going to signal that he is becoming a Real Madrid player. PSG haven't been giving up in this. They've been trying to convince Mbappe to stay, trying to offer him all the money they possibly can. I think we've reached the point for Kylian Mbappe where this is not about money. It doesn't need to be about money. Uh, he's 23 years old. Um, he's made that step from Monaco to PSG flawlessly. He's proven himself beyond doubt in Liga. He's done it in the Champions League. Now let's see him move and abroad. And at a World Cup. And at a World Cup. Let's see him take that abroad. And prove himself in another league. I think this is it for him. I mean, to be honest with you, I see it as almost an era-defining signing for Real Madrid. Think back to when Cristiano Ronaldo joined them. I see this being on that same level. We talk about Galacticos. This is a proper Galactico signing. Like Kylian Mbappe is as good as it gets. You talk about them Real Madrid being in the chase to sign Holland. Yeah. But they've got Karim Benzema, who might win the Ballon d'Or this season, and he was an absolute goal machine. They don't necessarily need him right now. And there's this trail of thought whereby Haaland might just spend two or three years at, at Man City and then move on to Real Madrid because he doesn't necessarily have to have the longevity of staying at a club for eight, nine years. Why would he? Um, so he could still make this move further down the road. Kylian Mbappe, you want him here and now. You're getting the best of Kylian Mbappe between 23 and 27. This is where this guy is about to take off. And that's quite scary considering this season he scored 33 goals in 42 games and got 22 assists. The guy is absolutely remarkable. Champions League has got um, six goals, six assists in eight matches this season. In a PSG team which hasn't been anywhere near the level which he thought they might get to. like they, Considering he's playing with Neymar and Messi and countless others, we thought actually that this PSG team should have at least got close to winning the Champions League and, and they haven't because they were beaten by Real Madrid, the team he is now going to join. And I think that maybe that had an effect in him making his final decision. I think it probably helps Real Madrid that they managed to do that in the fashion that they did too. Um, but there can be no doubt for me that Kylian Mbappe is guaranteed to be the next superstar footballer if he's not already, I think he probably already is. But like, if you're looking beyond the Messi... I'm covering Ronaldo, a fever, mate. It's as big as it gets. It's as big as it gets. You know you've made it at that point. It's just brilliant. I still remember being at Bleacher Report when I early days there. We started doing our video output and we started talking about Kylian Mbappe's breakthrough and Arsenal being interested in him. And at that point, you start to check out players and you're seeing him pick up the ball in his own half and just waltz through an entire team at ridiculous speed um, and he's still doing it and there's no reason that that's going to stop in the next few years so Kylian Mbappe to Real Madrid is going to be the biggest move of the summer yeah well I mean a lot of a lot of big names there isn't there and you, you were saying this at the top that you thought that this might be going to turn out to be one of the biggest summers ever yeah um, it, it's that that's a lot of that's a lot of big old stars potentially on the move in terms yeah. of like likelihood 
Well, you rank them one to five in terms of how likely you are, they, how likely they are to go through. Well, in likelihood to go through, I mean, it's the two Madrid signings that go one and two. Like Mbappe and Rudiger look the most nailed on at this point. And that's unbelievable, un- unbelievably good news for any Real Madrid fans who have been hoping to see them step it up on the back of Barcelona starting to slowly undergo, well, not even slowly start to go overhaul. They, they got with it pretty quickly, far quicker than Man United ever did. So I've put those two at one and two. Then I'd have to probably go with Holland. Because he's going to leave Borussia Dortmund. We just don't know that he's 100% going to Man City. So he's in that bracket. So those three, I'd say, are nailed on. And then it's the Lukaku and Rice. I'd put, I'd keep Lukaku at four. I think he's likely to leave. It's just a case of which club he goes to. And Declan Rice is one that could go right down to the wire. And will he stay? Will he go right up until deadline day? We've talked a lot about Barcelona there without mentioning any players potentially going to Barcelona. One that started to do the rounds a little while back, and I suppose this is an honourable mention really, um, was Robert Lewandowski and his future. Is there any updates on, on, on how that was going? The last we heard was that Xavi was talking to him personally about joining Barcelona. Um, if anything, over the last couple of you know games at Barcelona's three losses on the spin, We've learned that Barcelona needs some other options in terms of trying to break down a side. And it's been a, a tricky couple of weeks for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, tricky couple of weeks for Usman Dembele. Um, they're obviously going to be looking at strengthening in the summer. Is Lewandowski still the main target there in the middle? Well, Bayern have started... Um, well, it seemed like he might be open to selling him, open to letting him go. And they've kind of been backing down on that and backtracking and they're saying that he will be staying at the club now until at least 2023. Um, He is entering the final year of his deal with them and as you say he's been linked heavily with Barcelona. I can see why Barcelona would want him particularly because of the stages out of his career like he isn't left Germany either like you think come on push yourself out of your comfort zone come over here you know you can do it you know you can score goals here we're missing something and we think it might be you. But um, Bayern in the last 24 hours or so have seemed pretty stern and pretty set on the fact that they are not going to sell Lewandowski in the summer, regardless of offers they receive. And that makes me think, going back to Erling Haaland, that they might have had conversations around the Haaland transfer and now be pretty sure that he's actually going to go to Man City. So they're like, okay, well, if we can't get Haaland, we definitely need to keep Lewandowski because otherwise we're definitely dropping off a level. Yeah, an interesting one, which means that that kind of search for a number nine for Barcelona potentially goes onwards. Um, and if they're going to miss out on Haaland, they're going to miss out on Mbappe, they're not going to be able to shift Lewandowski. You Look wonder where... You, well, you do wonder where, they're, <laughs> where, where, where their kind of interest turns in many ways. It's going to yeah. be an exciting one. Um, right. Well, thank you very much, Dean. That was a, a wonderful five. After Exhausted, break, mate. Exhausted. No, that's it. You, you, there's a little bit more for you to do just yet. Oh, I'm the doing break. the whole show. You're doing the whole show indeed. After the break, we have the Melon of the Week and the Gibberish Rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to part three of the Ranks FC podcast with me, Jack Collins and Dean Jones. And DJ, it's time for everybody's favourite part of the week. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is everybody that was wearing a Napoli shirt as they threw away their season at Empoli at the weekend. This is absolutely ridiculous. If you missed this... I thought you meant like the fans to begin with. I was like, it's a bit unfair, really. The fans are not taking any stick. Anyone that's wearing an Napoli shirt was on the pitch. The last 10 minutes of this game is a melon. 
Napoli were 2-0 up. They still had a small chance of being in the title race. Like They were doing their best to mess it up in the two weeks leading into this game. But they just absolutely made sure that they imploded because after being 2-0 up through goals, goals from Mertens and Insigne, they threw it away. They conceded three goals in the last 10 minutes to lose to Empoli. So, you know, from anyone that's... I'm just trying to check who was taken off, actually, in the last... So Zanoli, uh, Lozano and Mertens were all taken off before we got to the 80-minute mark. But anybody else, you were to blame. So Merit and Goal, Ruiz, Jesus, uh, Ramani, um, Anguisa, Ruiz, um, Ozzyman, Lozano. Like, come on. What are you doing? Mate, These are unbelievable this football. Did you watch this game? Yeah, I did, yeah. It's... What happened? Uh, Napoli just gonna Napoli, aren't they? Um, but they're, that is they're extreme. Just, it is extraordinary, and I'll make it even more extraordinary for you. Do you know the last time Empoli won a game in Serie? A? Well, this one they won three two. I saw it before this game. <laughs> no, <laughs> the twelfth of December, twenty twenty one. Do you know who they beat? Uh, Napoli. Yeah, <laughs> actually, they beat Napoli one nil. That um, is embarrassing. That it is, is absolutely dreadful. They have. They've won one game in 2022, and that was in the Coppa Italia, um, and then which they then crashed out of afterwards. Ludicrous! It is just absolutely insane. They hadn't won a single game in 2022 in any competition. It is just, it's just nuts. It's absolutely <laughs> nuts. Uh, Napoli just. Only I've talked about their propensity to heartbreak before, but this took it to a whole new level. It was just like, it feels like Napoli are cursed. I, mm. I think this is ultimately where we've got to with this. It just it's feels, killed your narrative, hasn't it? The Maradona really narrative. Has, it really upset me that I thought this first year with the ground fully named as Maradona, Insigne's parting gift, I thought it was going to be this. And they look, they, I thought they were going to win Europa League last season, right? After Maradona died, I thought they were going to move on and win the Europa League as, as a memory. They didn't. I thought this year they were going to do the Europa League or the Copa, and they were knocked out of both. And then suddenly they're in a title race, and they throw it away. They lose to Fiorentina at home. Then they throw away a three points against Roma in the last minute, and now they lose to Empoli. It just absolutely ludicrous. Um, yeah. you, you, couldn't, you couldn't script it. Like how no. badly this collapse has gone. And I do wonder about like the mental state of the players after that. How, how do you recover from that kind of thing? I, I have no idea. On the flip side, Inter Milan and AC Milan have had their mentalities tested and have come through it every time so far. I mean, we'll see. There's a big game for Inter Milan on Wednesday night. It's their, their game in hand is finally going to be played. But AC Milan, if you haven't seen the AC Milan game from the weekend, Go and check it out. Like the final stages of that game um, are worth seeing. It was the most, one of the most significant goals, if not the most significant goal we've seen in the whole of Europe so far this season. And the scenes um, at Lazio v AC Milan at the end are extraordinary and definitely worth 10 minutes of your time. Absolutely, absolutely. The Serie A title race continues to enthrall. It might not be a three-horse race anymore, but the two Milan clubs scrapping it out for the Scudetto. Very, very exciting. It continues to be right on a knife edge. And it's right on the knife edge down at the bottom as well. Serie A um, has drama going on left, right and centre.
That's the gibberish alarm, Dean. Yeah, no, your final your, your final call for the day. Yeah, I've only done the interest of the show. I'll just take this one as well. Um, come back soon, Sam, wherever you are. Anyway, I quite like this bit. It's fine. Our gibberish ranking this week. Things you get in America, but not in Europe. And I wish you could. So at number three, it is a store called Target. Target it's a supermarket, is... supermarket, it? It's not a supermarket. It's a superstar market because it's the best superstore in the world. It is unbelievable. There's You can walk into Target. There's nothing you can't get. It is unbelievable. It's not in the UK. It's only in America. And I think that's because it would kill off every other shop in the UK if it arrived here. It's like having Tesco's, Morrison's, Asda, Argos, TK Maxx all rolled into one. And there you go. You're away. You can get whatever you like in there. You need a, need a few things to eat. There's a section over there. You need some new clothes. Go over there. Need a new TV. Go over there. Need some uh, toothpaste. Go over there. Um, need something for your house. Need a new chest of drawers. Just over there on the left. Whatever you want, you can get it. Need some toys. Get it in there. Is it's it a brilliant. hyper? Is it like a French hypermarket? I'm sure it's no. Uh, it's better. It's Target. It's the best shop in the whole world. Anyone that's been to America should know about this shop. If you are going to America soon, then go to Target. It'll be one of the best things you ever do. Um, Walking around there, I do miss it. In Chicago, obviously, a few weeks now ago, um, I was thinking the other day, what do I miss? I miss I miss going to Target. I miss shopping in Target. Anyway, I'll do it again in the summer when I go back. At number two, thing I miss, not I miss, but thing that you can get in America that you can't get here is Crest White Strips. These are the best things ever invented. Have you ever heard of these? No. Do you know what they are? No, they sound like teeth whiteners. They are teeth whiteners. They are the best teeth whiteners you could ever get. And they are these strips that you stick across your top teeth and on the bottom teeth, and they bleach them, and you use one pack, you can do it once a year or something, and you have lovely white teeth. They are great. Now, they're banned from the UK due to um, the amount of hydrogen peroxide in the ingredients, but don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. Like, people in I haven't seen anyone in America dying from it. Like, I haven't died from it yet. I, every time I go, I buy a pack. Crest white strips are unbelievable. And I'm just amazed that there's no way around getting them to the UK because they would be such a hit. Every time I go to America, someone says to me, can I give you some money to bring me back some white strips? I'm like, of course, I will absolutely do that for you because you deserve them. Oh, you should everybody, have brought me some back. I would have loved that. Everybody deserves better teeth. That would have been that would have been great. That would have been great. Now, um, right now, what's at number one? I hope it's something like really sugary. One, yeah, it's something sugary, and it's something that actually gives <laughs> you really it, bad. Yeah. It gives you something really bad teeth, and it's vanilla coffee creamer, particularly vanilla coffee, mate. Like the liquid form in the UK, you can buy like coffee, mate, the powder, but it's it's rubbish to be honest. Um, the coffee creamer, the vanilla stuff, is so deliciously sweet. I got. I have been through spells where i've been addicted to it and i have been through spells when i've imported it into the country i won't lie i've paid extortionate amounts of money at times particularly in lockdown actually one of my big things in lockdown was i was getting boxes of this stuff brought in <laughs> in those little tap you know when you go and get a, a coffee from the in a hotel you'll go and go to the coffee machine and they have those little packets of uh, creamer or whatever and those little plastic things I had hundreds and hundreds of those delivered during lockdown. So it got me through and it kept me happy. Now, I've, I've tried to ease myself off it a bit because clearly this stuff 
probably does have the capability to kill me. I mean, I don't know the exact reason it's it's banned in the UK, but they do include hydrogenated oils, which basically can lead to heart disease. Um, so I think this in your pizza addiction, there's only going one way. Yeah, so it probably is best for my health that this stuff is banned in the UK. And even some of my friends in the US, when I was out there last summer, um, they were like, I was like, oh, have you got any coffee, mate? And they were like, nah, we've weaned ourselves off that stuff. Like, it's so bad. I'm like, oh, man, I only wanted it for a week. Like, yeah. Well, you can go and buy some down the shop, but we're not having it. I'm like, fair enough. Anyway, that is something you can get in America, but you cannot get in Europe. And I'll be interested to hear. And I, I know I will hear. Whenever I do these American rankings, my DMs, especially on Insta, get hit up by loads of Americans telling me, like, what they're addicted to. They can't believe that you can't buy this stuff. And they also find out that the um, the laws in America are very, very different from the rest of the world when it comes to things around your health. Isn't there, um, isn't there one that goes the other way? You can't get Ribena. You can't get Ribena in America. That makes sense. I've never seen it out there. Because no. um, it, it's too nice. No, I don't. I think blackcurrant is illegal. Hmm? Black currants are illegal in the in the US because what? they they basically because the the kind of plant uh, I think it's red currant grows in America right uh, they're worried that it was going to uh, take away and and just kind of take over it's a bit like gray squirrels and red squirrels right in the UK like gray squirrels have come over and killed off the native red squirrel population <laughs> I think they were worried that um, I think they were worried that basically black currants would come in and kill off all the red currant bushes so they killed them all and black currant products don't exist in the US <laughs> absolutely madness um, it, it's quite mad I think it's to do with pine trees but anyway um, that one I, I'm surprised you didn't include Swedish fish, which you can get in the UK, but they're nowhere near as good. Swedish yeah. fish are absolutely unbelievable, the American version. I don't and love them. I don't love them. Mountain Dew. The original Mountain Dew that you get never in America is the best thing in the entire world. You don't drink fizzy drinks. I don't drink fizzy drinks. Um, I've never had that. But the, you get there's a version of it in the UK, which used to be called Mountain Dew Energy, and now it's called Mountain Dew, but it's not Mountain Dew. You mm. want the original can. I remember the first time I had Mountain Dew, I was like, Oh boy. Oh boy. What does it taste like? It's just like, it's kind of, it's a bit like Sprite, but like 10 times more sugary. Um, oh. It's like a, it's like Sprite, Sprite been put through like the American dream. Can you mix um, it with like vodka? I'm sure you could. I'm sure there are people that are, but it's, um, yeah, it's just absolutely outrageous. Yeah. It sounds um, like some guy might, I do drink fizzy drinks with alcohol. That's the only time I ever have fizzy drinks. Maybe we'll so. get some over and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll mix it up. We'll yeah, mix it yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll so. try it. There we go. There we have it. Well, well, well done. Very good. Very cool. good, gibberish. What what an episode this has been from you. What um, an episode. You have taken us- Ranks FC this week and put it on your back. Yes. Give us five stars in wherever you're listening to this because I absolutely deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Dean's hard work has deserved it. And on that bombshell, we're going to call this a day. All this stuff for me to do is to thank the Mr. Hardwork himself, Mr. Dean Jones. Ah, uh, Cheers, mate. It was good fun. The workhorse. Uh, I've been Jack <laughs> Collins. Thank you so much for listening. Please do share this episode with anyone who you think might enjoy it and um, make sure you give us a review and a rating on itunes or spotify if you enjoyed yourself we'd love to hear from you and thank you as ever for being part of the rank squad we will see you next week gang take it easy peace